the Jeep Talk Show. Now, two episodes a week. What? Two episodes? Okay. Yes, that's right. Two. Are you excited? I'm always excited when it comes out on Friday. It's actually a go-to podcast that I can actually listen to while I'm heading over to work or on my way home. New episodes every Friday and early Monday morning and time for your commute. No, damn it. It's three episodes a week I was going to say, when are we releasing the third episode? Because we're doing that now, too. A fourth? <laughs> what? Easy, Wait. Easy now. A fifth? Hold on there. It was one, jumped to two, now. and went to three instantly. So let's just slow down a Yeah, I know. I get a little excited sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I kind of hurt, but we just did two. Then all of a sudden, it was three. You know? <laughs> But uh, yeah, well, you know, three three episodes a week. Uh, you can listen on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Nice. You're listening to a four by four by four radio network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, the JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com and this is where you can find those those show notes we're always talking about. So just head over to jeeptalkshow.com and uh, read your happy ass away. Welcome to the show, Jeeper. On this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I'll share some news about a big rally or and who, or should I say what, won it all. And we have some unfortunate news coming out of Belvedere. Howdy, it's Wendy. And hopefully you are listening to my newbie nugget sections on our Friday episodes. I talk about all kinds of topics for the newest Jeepers and sometimes things that Break down occasionally. Hmm. Hey, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and coming up on Jeep Life, Poopy Pants Hill and Utah's Scariest Highway. If you uh, poop it in, you need to poop it out. So I think that's one of those mottos. That- <laughs> oh, God. Lesson learned. Hi, <laughs> I'm Tony. I have absolutely nothing useful to say, and that was going to be continued throughout this episode. Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Well, the 2021 Jeep Wrangler 4XE came in first and second place in the 2021 Rebel Rally. It is the first ever electrified vehicle to win this race since it began six years ago. The Rebel Rally is the longest competitive off-road rally in the U.S. It covers more than 1,553 miles of terrain between Nevada and California. The drivers of this all-women race must use road, road books, paper maps, or even a compass to navigate their vehicles over the course of eight days. The winner, wow. isn't, necessarily, the winner isn't necessarily the fastest, but rather the one with the best navigation and the most precise driving. First place winners were Team 4XE Venture, consisting of Terralyn Peterit and Nina Barlow, driving a Wrangler Rubicon 4XE. Peter Eat previously placed on the podium in two other Rebel Rally races, which makes her the most successful competitor ever. Taking second place was a mother-daughter team made up of Christine and Emily Benzie. They too drove a 2021 Wrangler Rubicon 4XE. Although not placing in this race, coming in 29th overall, an honorable mention goes out to Team 
As Daza Custodian Rebels. <laughs> yeah, that I'm one. I'm sorry. I'm butchering your guys' team name horrifically. Yeah. Pick easier ones, like George or Charles or something <laughs> yeah. like that. They are the first all-Navajo team to take a part in the Rebel Rally. The two drivers, uh, Shandina Peters and Raquel Black, were the first-time competitors, but finished the eight-day race in 29th place with their Wrangler Rubicon 4XE. If you are interested in this incredible race or may know somebody who might be, we're going to have a link where you can uh, learn a lot more about about this race and all it entails in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. So I, I have a quick question about this. You said that the winner isn't necessarily the fastest, but the one with the Correct. best navigation and most precise driving. How do they track that? Do they have something in the Jeep that they can determine there's that they didn't take too many left turns? There's got to be uh, transponders, I'm, I'm guessing, for, for this kind of a race, this scale of a race. Uh, there uh, there would have to be something like that involved, I'm guessing. Uh, maybe it's just uh, sort of how long it takes you to get from one checkpoint to another. Uh, if oh, you, I think it is. It's all by GPS coordinates. Uh, and so if you you look at a map, okay, we're at point A, we need to get to point B. I can see that between point A and point B, there's a river. What's the best way to cross that river? You know, and so you got it. You got to kind of, you know, you may have to, you know, do some satellite, uh, you know, navigation, that type of thing. Uh, be looking at, uh, you know, maps, finding out where the bridges are, where the best right. crossing is. And so it's not just about how fast can you get to point A to point B, because there may be a lot in between point A and point B that makes it to where you have to navigate to C first before you can get to B, uh, you know, or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's a very technical eight day course. Uh, and, and there's, there's a lot to it. So, uh, yeah. And it, it, it's, it's all women too. So, um, you know, this is a, kind of the first of its kind as it were uh, as well, but it's, uh, it's been in, in, in around now for what, six or eight years, something like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, six years ago uh, is when this whole started. Now I thought so, that Tammy was going to do this race or she was looking into it or has done it or maybe something, or maybe we, oh, we I remember that. Yeah. She was going to be part of a team, I believe is somebody, somebody had, uh, uh, reached out to her. So I, gosh, I have sort of a comment. It's probably not very good, but so from Nevada to California, essentially it's about a three to four hour drive from California to Las Vegas. I'm wondering if the four XE takes eight days to do whatever this is because they're stopping and having to recharge all the time or what is happening? <laughs> I kind of want to know. Oh, you know, they weren't using the electric so part. They weren't using and, the electric part of that 4X. And, and I'm sorry. I just had to make that comment because I'm going, no, you know, that's a good comment. 1,553 miles, What we find out, like three miles of actual range or, or something like yeah, that, you know, actual really off-road range, yeah. uh, and, and this being a 1,553-mile yeah, exactly. uh, uh, or so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there wasn't a whole lot of electric uh, uh, use going on there as far as, you not know, yeah, of course not. how much they were using yeah. it. So, uh, yeah, it, it, this is basically just the fact that, okay— Wranglers placed first and second. Uh, oh, I agree. And and women drivers. I'm so excited. It's just it's a wonderful story. You, you gotta you sure. gotta have a lot of courage just to take a four XE out there on this thing. So that's, yeah. uh, that's <laughs> so on episode yeah. uh, three oh four we interviewed uh, Rebel. Re, I'm sorry, Re, Rebel. I want to say Rebel uh, Star Wars. Uh, Rebel Rally competitor Coralie Lack L A C K. So just go to episode 304, and I'm sure you're going to get lots more information about the Rebel Rally. Oh, and 304 was, I mean, that was several years back. Yep. So that was uh, in the Way early years. Way before my time. Way before yeah. my time. <laughs> oh, for, and, and no, 
First off, Ross from <laughs> California. I am not going to do the story on Britney Spears' fiance, Sam Ashgari, whatever his name is, matching his outfits to his Jeep ring, the Rubicon. I don't care what? how many times you ask or say pretty please, but thank you for all the emails, Ross from California. Moving on. Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, speaking of weird things on the internet, I got a picture of feet today. I, I've never Wait. been footed before. <laughs> okay, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was unsolicited. I, that's my fault. Uh, that's my. <laughs> no, I I, I, fra- I uh, blew out my ankle uh, earlier in the week and and uh, had to share the uh, the gruesome photos with my uh, with my co-host there. And they were gruesome. Yep. And so, uh, look at look at the swelling. It's not the Hopefully first time. You're Hopefully, you're feeling I, better. Hopefully, you're feeling better. I didn't think you were going to be here tonight because uh, yeah. I didn't even I didn't think either. I didn't even think about the pain. You know, I told you that my uh, my oh. uh, right leg will swell up like that occasionally if I sit down too long with water uh, being uh, collecting in there. So I didn't even think about it being a painful inju- injury. So well, sorry I'm about that. Clearly, I'm clearly having a uh, uh, I'm not on my game. I, I'm having a hard time reading some stuff, and uh, you know, I'm a couple pain pills and and that sort of stuff. And it it, it yeah it it I can definitely tell that I'm not uh, uh, as I as I normally am. So. Yeah, it sucks. Pain sucks, and uh, recovering from uh, an injury like that kind of sucks. But uh, by the time we uh, record the next episode, I'll be I'll be all better. So hopefully, uh, you know, this happened on Thursday. So hopefully, uh, you're not working tomorrow, which will give you a good uh, no. I worked. I worked. I worked today. I'll be working tomorrow. I I should stay off of it, but you know, you should at least for a day or two to let your body heal. You should stay home and then take the weekend as well. That's a good solid three days. Yeah. But I know you're not going to listen to anybody. So. Nope. Nobody at all. <laughs> We're just going to call you Swelly whenever they remove the uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. remove it from uh, the ankle down. You know, hey, there's worse down. nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is some bad news as well. Production at the Belvedere Assembly Plant in Illinois will be down through the rest of October due to the global semiconductor shortage. The plant, which according to Stellantis, employs over 2,300 hourly workers, builds the Jeep Cherokee. The Belvedere plant has had significant periods of downtime this year and in July went down to a single shift, reflecting both the toll of the chip shortage as well as lagging demand for the Cherokee itself. Belvedere has taken the largest production hit of any of Stellantis' plants in North America, according to the forecasting firm Auto Forecast Solutions, with over 120,000 units of lost production as of the time of this recording. Globally, the chip shortage could cost the automotive industry as much as $210 billion, that's billion with an M, in lost revenue this year alone, according to a recent estimate from consulting firm Alex Partners, LLP. The firm projects lost production volume could total over 7.5 million vehicles globally for the 2020 calendar year. Yeah, that's not something uh, the industry is soon to forget, is it? I don't know. If If we made more things here in the U.S., we wouldn't be in this position. Yeah, it's it's a lot of vehicles. That's a that's a lot of uh, a lot of billions of dollars uh, lost in the automotive industry. Uh, how that's going to affect you know the trickle down as far as into the aftermarket and all that goes. Well, I mean uh, we've all heard of the supply chain issues in the aftermarket. Uh, you know, uh, retailers not being able to get parts, things like that. Uh, it's pretty much happening all over. Uh, and, and so, yeah, this is, this is something that uh, is pretty much affecting everybody. It has been all year and will continue to do so, I think, uh, into the first quarter of next year as well. Well, and they, uh, I know that they had a report, it was about a month and a half ago, there was maybe 50 ships that would be, let's say, around the Southern California area waiting to be offloaded. 
with about 2,200 uh, containers per ship, give or take. Now there are 100 ships. I, Not 50, but 100. Like, why, it's just, it's insane. Why Why is it that they can't get them unloaded? I don't, I, I, I've well, yet to understand that. There's two things kind of floating around here in California. One is the longshoremen. There's a hundred things floating around in California. Sort of, yeah, sort of making it difficult and maybe not working all the way through. I don't know exactly. The other one is the our governor has signed some bills that your the trucking industry has to adhere to certain standards. The trucks can't be so many years oh, old. I the heard about and the drivers. God. You know, you can't be an owner operator. You have to be, you know, this eco whatever garbage. It's like, you know what? Honestly, we're having a problem. Get your, just let it go. Let them all come in. Get these containers out of here. If they're off the ships and move them across the country. It's just ridiculous. So there's a lot of, a lot of other stuff going on than just the ship sitting out there. Portland has a has a relatively large port as well. Uh, We have Mm -hmm. uh, a few container ships that come in every so often, unload a bunch of vehicles and uh, and I think they they head up north further a little bit, or or you know points due east uh, f- from me. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, I'm start sending them up here. I mean, better yeah. than just sitting out uh, sitting out in the it's water. Ridiculous. Uh, that way it's, we can at least you know, we can get some parts for our jeeps finally. Yeah, <laughs> come on, it's ridiculous. Hey, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, we genuinely would like to hear what you have to say, even if it's uh, you know several episodes old. Just let us know uh, an episode number and uh, and what we're talking about here, and uh, and we'll put you on the air. Be sure to let us know what you have to say. You can do it by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Did you know there's a whole bunch of great off-road shows at the 4x4 Radio Network website? That's right. It's a one-stop shop for all your off-road podcasting needs. And we've got something for everybody there, even if they're not into Jeeps. It's okay. It's not their fault. But the 4x4 Radio Network is, has got the On the Trail podcast, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast. The Jeep Talk Show is there as well. It's all in one place. All you got to do is enter the number 4, the letter X, the number 4, RadioNetwork.com. 4x4RadioNetwork.com. We'll see you there. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast. been a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, uh, advice, and learning. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And in the last episode, Josh, when you were talking about fiberglass repairs and how to fix a fiberglass top, you mentioned the term fill the crack about 17 times. <laughs> oh, God, I knew that was coming. Why? Why, oh, why must you tempt me so much? <laughs> it is with every fiber of my body to resist from... <laughs> from Coming up with all kind of fill the crack jokes. Oh, it's like my dad used to tell me. He used to say, Nikki G, for the love of God, will you get off the kitchen table and please put your clothes back on? Well, that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you that I accidentally gave Wendy a glue stick instead of her chapstick. Oh, God. Yeah, she's still not talking to me. <laughs> all right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. And you have a good one. Bye. 
Book of Jokes, Volume 2. I could definitely see how that glue stick could work in certain situations. I think I might have to have one of those around. Oh, that's Cracking us up for years. Love it. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alright, hello boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking with James Weber. Uh, he has been an automotive uh, journalist for over 26 years, having written for Four Wheel uh, Magazine, I'm sorry, Four Wheeler Magazine, uh, Off-Road Magazine, Four Wheel Drive and Sports Utility Magazine, Splash Magazine, uh, and Trucking Magazine, uh, as well as being the author of 101 Jeep Performance Projects, the Four Wheel Wheeler's Bible and the Jeep 4x4 Handbook. He knows a thing or two about off-roading. He's also been uh, a motorsports photographer for numerous race teams, as well as been involved in motorsports, marketing, and public relations. He has a vast collection of four-wheel drive vehicles that range from a Series 2 Land Rover, FJ80 Land Cruiser, and a couple of Jeep Wranglers. We're speaking with him today about his latest book, The Jeep 4x4 Performance Handbook, which can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Quattro publishing sites. For more information, go to www.quattronose.com. Well, James, that is quite a resume. It sounds like you haven't done a lick of work in your entire life. I try not to. I try to stay on the trail <laughs> as long as I can. <laughs> well, of course, when I say not work, I mean, it just sounds like so much fun. And I'm sure it's not fun all the time. But man, what, 26 years, that's got to be a wonderful, uh, uh, I mean, like I said, you just, you're getting paid for doing stuff outdoors with vehicles. And I, I do have to call you on one thing, though, uh, on the intro, the you, you said, and a couple of Wranglers. Is, is Jeeps an afterthought here for your own personal uh, vehicles? No, I've, I've owned Jeeps ever since I could get my license. Um, there's always a Jeep in the stable. <laughs> you, you, have to stay, you have to stay true to, to your first love, and it's always been Jeep. Good, good, good. What Wranglers do you have? Uh, we have a, a TJ, and we have a YJ. What do you, uh, which one do you think is, a, uh, is better off-road? I'll take the TJ every any day of the week. Um, you know, just given the size of it, um, the the suspension that we have on it, it, it's, it, it goes anywhere. And most importantly, we have the confidence in it, right. um, which is really important to have in your off-road vehicle um, because you basically become one with the, the Jeep. People who aren't Jeepers can't quite understand that concept, but you kind of meld into the into the car um and confidence is is a key part well i think that probably would uh, be part of any any vehicle like, go fast or go slow you have to really learn the vehicle so that you know what it's capable of and you're right it just you're kind of like moving yourself around uh the obstacles or uh the uh <laughs> the traffic cones maybe uh and uh it's just uh, you know you're moving that your arms and stuff but it's really that integration between two uh, two things, two uh, two machines actually. So the thing that I'm kind of wondering now is uh, with uh, Tesla taking away that uh, that control from the driver. Um, gosh, that that we we may be the last generation to actually feel that uh, interaction with a vehicle. 
Unfortunately, I think you're right. Um, you know, they, Jeep has, and I've, I've driven it, and it's a fantastic vehicle, the new um, electrified Jeep. And I, the, from the aspect of the torque that you have, it, it's, it's great off-roading. Um, but you're right. I hope they don't take the, the ability to feel the vehicle and drive the vehicle um, away from anybody. Because I, I think that's half the fun in being out there. Um, part of the reason we go out there is to get away from the electronics and the, oh, the yeah. technology and just, just be one with the car and nature. Right. Um, and it's kind of hard to do when you're a passenger well, you know, in the driver's seat. You know, the Enterprise on Star Trek had a manual control for everything. They could switch switch to manual whenever they needed to. That's that's what we need in these vehicles. We we need to switch to manual. Uh so uh, we'll we'll see how it goes, and and I, I guess uh, the customer will will drive a lot of that, uh, complaining about uh, it's it's just not uh, it's just not a Jeep because uh, I I can't get over these uh, these uh, uh, transfer case uh, electronic transfer case you know you twist a knob and it goes into the four wheel drive you twist a knob it goes back into two wheel drive uh, thank God the Gladiator that uh, I just got still has a a mechanical li- uh, linkage with a li- mechanical lever that I can actually feel it uh, not going in. <laughs> four wheel high and yanking on the hell out of it to try to get it in there so um yeah manual control that's uh uh that's uh, that's something we're going to need for a while now uh we're here to talk about this uh, this great book that you guys wrote and uh, of course i've already given already given you a hard time about having two people uh with uh, variations of jim or james uh, write the book but uh, that's okay uh <laughs> So tell us about this book. It's the uh, the third pu- release of this book. You've uh, you've done it uh, twice before. Correct. It's it's the third edition um, of the Jeep Four x Four Performance Handbook. And you know our 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 intent when we did it was to touch on all things Jeep um, and the items that really make a Jeep what it is and what it's capable of doing and. We, we broke out the, the book into 10 chapters, um, and we cover basically everything from, you know, what you need to get started in, into jeeping all the way to suspensions, drive shafts, transmissions, recovery gear, um, the body and chassis, engine performance, safety, electrical systems, uh, braking systems, and tires and wheels. Um, basically everything that makes the Jeep what it is and everything that anyone that owns a Jeep um, touches and and makes better or changes to their liking and their style of driving. Um, You know, not every Jeep is going to be bashing over rocks. Um, Some people build them, especially it's more popular today to build it for overlanding, um, which is a different set of terrain, different set of of items that you need to make that vehicle successful in that arena. Um, So our intent was to kind of introduce all these different items um, to people with Jeeps. Um, And, you know, even if you're an expert Jeeper and you've been doing it for 25 years or 30 years, um, I think readership will walk away with something new or a better understanding of Oh, so that's how you get the gear ratio. That's how you calculate it. You know, things that we all know, but we really don't stop and analyze or, or know the math on. Um, so I, I think it, I think it's going to appeal to everybody, uh, novice to 
expert. Well, one of the things I love about uh, this book is that it teaches you that. A lot of people think that, uh, you know, they'll ask the, the, the standard question, what's the largest size tire I can put on my Jeep without cutting? Uh, and, and there's so much more to it, depending on the size that you go with. And uh, like you were talking about calculating uh, the, uh, the differential, the gears, how it all uh, winds up. And, of course, too, there's the, the problem with, is the is the hardware that you're putting this stuff on strong enough to be able to hold it without you know breaking or have parts fail uh, very quickly? So uh, it looks like to me that uh, just scrolling through here in these some of these pictures in the book, and I love love pictures in book, man. Uh, <laughs> it looks like you've uh, you guys have covered all of them. I see uh, the first model Jeep Liberty. I see a, a Commander. Uh, I think I saw a um, uh, yeah. What is the, uh, the the other one uh, it was on there. Uh, of course, the YJ that, that uh, you know, you have one of those. Um, is it the Commando? I think it's the Commando I'm thinking of. Is, you've got a couple of those uh, in Jeepster. there. Jeepster, yeah. Yep. yep. And um, so uh, I don't want to get you in trouble, but what do you think about the, the like, uh, the, the Compass and the uh, some of the more um, fuel-friendly uh, Jeeps that have come out in uh, I guess the last ten years or so. You know, I, I I think that for the market that they're they're aiming at, and for their intended purpose, I think Jeep has done a, a fantastic job at introducing that segment of of off roading into those that level of vehicle. Um, the good part is it's it still has the Jeep moniker and the Jeep name, and it's still capable of going probably 90% more places than its competitor could. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I didn't think of that. And it's a really good introduction into owning a Jeep in in off-roading. You know, not a lot of people climb over rocks the size of their car. Um, (laughs) They just want to go up to the snow uh, for the weekend with the kids and, and have fun. And I think that having a compass or you know, a fully built gladiator, um, I think it's going to give that person the same confidence that they have, um, that I've got a vehicle that's capable to take me where I need to go. Um, so from that aspect, I, I think the Jeep brand itself has really paid attention to what their their buyers want, and they've tried to give them that. Um, and even with the new, the new Grand Cherokee that's out, you know, it's, it's competing in a segment that they haven't been in in years but it hits all the marks it's still a jeep you still know that if you're driving from california to crested view colorado that you're going to be able to get there um with reliability and with the confidence of going through snowstorms um without an issue and if you do run into an issue your vehicle is going to help get you out of that right um so i i think they've done a good job Wow, and you guys have lots of tables in here. I'm just looking at the tire load versus inflation and uh, compressor uh, performance and uh, suggested trail tire pressure. This is this is good, a little good reference book as far as uh, uh, figuring out how much tire pressure you you should have in your vehicle and uh, and why. So uh, this is very inclusive book. This is a this is a great book for uh, I would think uh, beginners just to scare the hell out of them. 
from the standpoint of all the things that you can do and change <laughs> and uh, uh, mid, well, and, you know, mid-range people that are, uh, you know, trying to get a more aggressive uh, Jeep design. Right. And, you know, the part of the reason for the suggested trail pressure is, you know, educating the novices and people that don't do it, you know, once a month or two times a month that are out there. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it costs you nothing to know this. And it costs you nothing to implement it on the trail, but what you get out of out of using the correct tire pressure when you're on the trail is monumental. Um, you don't need a suspension to maybe crawl over that rock. All you need to do is lower your air pressure from, you know, 35 psi that you would use on the street down to maybe 15, and just that difference of air pressure is going to allow the tire to grab the rock and let you have better traction while going over it and you'll have a smoother ride it's it's little things like that and little tricks that we've learned over the years of doing this that you know if i put it in the book that might help somebody else out faster and earlier on in their their jeeping experiences than it did me um we learned the hard way you know why is this why are we on this washboard road getting our fillings jarred out of our teeth (laughs) um and it's because we had 35 psi on a, on a hard dirt road, you drop it down to 15 and it rides like it rides perfect. Um, so it's, it's these little things and maybe having this chart will, will help somebody understand that and know where they need to be, um, depending on, on the trail. Yeah. Continuing to, uh, uh, scroll through here, lots of really good informative pictures. So you guys did a really good job with that. That's, uh, that's one of the, the difficult things you can talk about, uh, Jeeps and parts and stuff all day long, or like we do on the, on the show. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, having pictures, at least to me, means so much, gives you a much better idea of what it is that you're talking about, but maybe a uh, better understanding of, uh, uh, of how things work and uh, why, like lowering the tire pressure makes a difference. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is very nice. You guys should uh, should check it out. Uh, the Jeep Four x Four Performance Handbook by Jim Allen and James Weber uh, mentioned it was on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Quattro publishing sites. So, uh, there's you know you're listening to the podcast. There's no no reason to wait for the end. Go over there and check out that book and uh, <laughs> and get one now. <laughs> So um, the uh, what would be the well? I would think a lot of these things would apply to not only Jeeps but other off-road vehicles. Uh, is there a specific Jeep that you guys had in mind uh, whenever you wrote this book that it's uh, that it's primarily for? I mean, there's obviously a, a JL on the front cover, uh, all lit up with uh, lots of lights, which I'm I'm very uh, uh, pro light. I like <laughs> I like a lot of lights, even though I don't use them. It's just fun to have them. But uh, was there a specific Jeep you guys had in mind, or are you are you covering them all? No, we're trying to cover them all. Um, and, and part of the reason is you never see the same Jeep on the trail. If you're you're out there for a weekend, you know you see almost every variant of Jeep that's that's been made. Right. A lot of times, um, you know, spend a, a weekend during the season in Moab, and and you'll see that. Um, so. Our, our intent was to not just isolate ourselves to, you know, the JK group or the Gladiator group. It was more of a, a comprehensive, you know, we're all, we're all Jeepers. We all own Jeeps. Um, what's the commonality and what are some of the differences um, between each one? 
And a lot of times that helps people, if you understand the differences between the different models, if you're going to build a Jeep or buy a Jeep, um, that might help you to know what's available in that model um, versus another one. And that was another intent of the book was, was to educate and have, you know, just a well-rounded reader afterwards um, of what a Jeep is, whether it's a JK or, or a TJ. So. so I would think that the, these tables and modifications that you guys are talking about uh, kind of uh, uh, relate to uh, several of the Jeeps, maybe not all of them, but uh, probably the majority of them, like uh, differentials. Like I wouldn't think you would be doing differential changes on a Compass. Um, uh, since it's a, uh, I think it's an IFS front wheel drive, so that would be uh, yeah. that would be different. Um, so, uh, but but this would be more, I guess, the information here. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, because uh, I, I obviously haven't read the entire uh, book. But it, it really looks like it's more geared towards um, solid front axle, uh, rear wheel drive with uh, and four wheel drive. The the front uh, axle comes into play. A more traditional Jeep, a uh, long-time traditional Jeep. Um, I, I'd say you're, you're right on that, um, correct. Um, but, you know, every, every vehicle has a drive shaft. Every vehicle has a, a U-joint. Um, you know, they all have differentials, whether they're air-actuated lockers or limited slips. Um, so from that standpoint, even if you have a compass, you can still at least become familiar with some of the components and what they are and what they do and how they operate. Um, and like I said, that was our intent yeah. was to, to educate people on not necessarily their model specific, but you know, what does attraction and limited slip differential do? How does that work? Right. Um, so, and then they can relate it to whatever is, is on their vehicle. Um, but it's just providing a general knowledge of a lot of times of just what the working parts are. Because you hear limited slip differential all the time, but really, what is that? I, you know, what does it look like? What does it feel like? How does it work? Um, and I think everybody that owns a Jeep can take take that information away or walk away with that information. Sure, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that because that basically means this book is a, a good book for for anybody that has a Jeep. And the way I like to think about it is, is that uh, the, your first Jeep, if it's a Compass or a Liberty or uh, a Renegade, that's your that's how you got uh, hooked into the uh, addiction. And then you can see with this uh, this book where you're, where the addiction is going to take you. <laughs> so all Correct. the all the wonderful right. things your that gate, you can do. It, yeah, it's your gateway Jeep. It's your gateway it Jeep. Yes. <laughs> So it doesn't have to be. You guys can uh, dr drive around those compasses uh, all you like. But, man, I think if you start digging around through this stuff too much, you're going to say, ooh, I want to do that. Oh, I got I, I have to have this Jeep. Oh, okay. Well, I want that. Oh, I'm going to have to have that Jeep. So that's one of the, the advantages of, uh, of having a more – purchasing a more traditional Jeep is that they're the third uh, the aftermarket, third-party market, is there's it's so rich. There's so many things out there that uh, you can buy and put on your jeep so uh it's it's oh it's like 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 no other feeling you'll ever get uh modifying a jeep and just uh, even though if you're even though you're doing the same things everybody else is doing it's still your jeep and in yours is a little different because you came up with the design that you wanted for it so it's a a, 
a very big attraction, and this will help you with this sickness because <laughs> it'll give you an idea why you want things and why you don't. Well, let me ask you this: uh, and some of the regulars are gonna, are going to be laughing. Uh, I have a a very um, dismal uh, feeling about uh, sidesteps. Uh, I, I don't mind uh, rock sliders that have flat spots on them. I still think you're going to bust your ass because it's going to be slick. But uh, I do not like steps that hang down. Uh, are, are you in the same camp? I mean, we do things to get our Jeeps where they can go over obstacles, and we don't want to put stuff lower to create an obstacle or, or hang up on an obstacle. Is how is? I don't think you have anything in the book about this, so this is just kind of a personal thing for you. Uh, how do you feel about those uh, those side steps that hang down six, six, seven, eight inches? You know, I, I having having literally ripped ones that hang down six, <laughs> seven inches. <laughs> I don't I don't recommend it. Um, it's an expensive fix, and once you spend fixing the body damage from ripping them off, you kind of bought a really nice set of of strong uh, bulletproof sliders. Right. Um. I've seen the new sliders out that have kind of like the amp research uh, where they drop down and when you close the door, they go back up. Those are fantastic. Um, I think that's the best of both worlds. Yep. So, and, and you're paying I, for I, I both worlds there too. It's like two grand. <laughs> right. It, it's right. It's, it's not cheap, but at the end of the day, if you're saving your, your body from damage and, and your paint, and you can get in and out of your Jeep a lot easier. Um, I think it's money well spent. Um, I don't think it's a frivolous uh, purchase for your Jeep, um, especially after a day of hard wheeling. It's kind of you're tired getting out of your Jeep um, if you've done it right. So <laughs> I, I'm all for the the sliders, not necessarily the steps, but definitely for the oh, rock yeah, no, sliders. Yeah, rock sliders I think are are very important uh the, the you if you 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 can actually do enough damage you can hit something hard enough where you won't be able to open the door or if you can't open the door you won't be able to close it so the the rock sliders if for no other reason are very good for that but uh the uh, the jeep Soxos position is stay away from the side steps but yeah if they suck back up real high uh, i don't have a problem with that and uh, if you want to spend two grand to, to get that i understand so people really need the the steps to be able to get in and out and, uh, of course, you never know when you might get an injury and you might not be able to get into your Jeep if you don't have uh, a way to uh, step up on it. So there's, there's always instances where the, uh, the steps are, the side steps are necessary. Just don't get ones that hang down all the time. Uh, that's, a, nope. that's a bad thing, I think. Nope, they have to be retractable. Um, and, you know, the other thing, too, is a lot of times when you're getting out of your Jeep, if you're on a trail and you're going over rocks, a lot of times you can be two or three feet from the ground. And if you have the retractable steps that come down when you open the door, it's easier to get in and out to spot yourself and, and know where you're going to place your your rig um, if you have those. Yeah, it's really true. As to doing a, a running jump and hoping you land up in your car. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, getting out is really easy. Getting back in is hard. <laughs> Getting out is like uh, just the Geronimo before you uh, before you leave the cab. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I didn't think about that. Yeah, side steps in those cases would be very nice, and uh, the ones hanging down too. But 
Boy, yeah, you need to look very carefully because uh, what you were uh, focusing on on the front of your uh, the the windshield of your Jeep, and then you get to a spot where you need to stop. Make sure you look down. I mean, just a, a little bit more height will uh, will cause you to uh, fall on your face. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point. <laughs> So um, when uh, now I'm assuming the book's already out. It's the third edition, so this isn't. There's no release date or, or anything. It's just an updated uh, version of the uh, the book, correct? That's correct. It's and available it, now. It, in other words, it is, it is available now. Um, it's available uh, through Quartro Nose, and that's spelled Q U A R T O K N O W S dot com. That's that's our publisher, Motorbooks International. Um, it's also available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Very cool. Yeah, we'll have uh, all that in our show notes uh, for uh, for this episode. So you guys just go there and uh, get that information. Uh, I'm sure you can search for it if you want to, but if you want to do it the easy way, uh, you can just get it out of our show notes at JeepTalkShow.com. So uh, there's, uh, I believe, that you were uh, going to uh, uh, give our listeners a... Uh, a book. Uh, I don't know. You're, you're you've listened before. I don't know if you remember how this works, but we have to get a uh, a caller number uh, for our voicemail. So, uh, would you uh, mind picking a number? I would recommend between one and ten, uh, and that would be the, uh, the the caller into our voicemail system that would uh, would get the book. Uh, and then, of course, we'll have one other thing to go along with that. But let's let's pick the uh, the, the number between one and ten. Uh, let's go with number seven. Number seven, lucky number seven. And uh, now we have to, we can't just have some joker calling in on, you know, calling me and calling number seven and accidentally winning the, a great book. We got to make them work for it, James. Uh, so now we want a, uh, a phrase that pays. I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to get sued for that because, you know, everybody, all radio stations <laughs> use that. Uh, a phrase that pays. So do you have something in mind for uh, something that they have to say exactly to be able to uh, win this book? I do. It's a, it, you know, it, you see it a lot of times on license plate frames of Jeeps. And given that it's the book, um, we're going to go with, if you can read this, roll me back over. You must be 18 years of age or older. Your mailing address must be in the continental United States. You may only call in once per giveaway. Any required word or phrase must be said exactly and completely the first time. Your call must include your caller ID. One chance to win per individual per giveaway. All these rules must be followed unless otherwise stated. Failure to follow these rules will disqualify you from being eligible for the giveaway. We will contact you with a text message at the number you called from. Good luck, Jeeper. All right, guys, you heard it. It is caller number seven. And then if you can read this, roll me back over. That's what you got to say. You don't have to live it. Just uh, <laughs> it's just what you say when you when you call it in. You say, uh, if you can read this, roll me back over, and you can win a book that uh, we've been talking about tonight, the Jeep 4x4 Performance Handbook. If you can't wait that long or you never win anything, uh, we've, we've got something for, for you as well. Uh, James, uh, tell them about the, uh, the discount that you guys are giving. Yes. So we're offering a 30% discount on the book. Um, if you go to the quattronose.com website, order the book, and upon checkout, um, you'll see a, an area where it says discount code. And if you type in DRIVES30, that's the code, D-R-I-V-E-S 30, um, you'll get 30% off. Wow, 30% off. That's major. So that's pretty cool. Quattronose.com. And then uh, 
you're looking for a Jeep 4x4 Performance Handbook, 3rd uh, Edition, and uh, you just uh, put in that code DRIVES30, get 30% off. So you can win it, or you can get a, a 30% off. And, uh, man, I tell you, that that's really cool, James. Thank you a lot. We really appreciate you doing stuff for our, uh, our listeners. Now, uh, you have a uh, you have another book coming out soon, don't you? We do. Um, it actually came out before the Jeep 4x4 Performance Handbook, and it's the Four Wheelers Bible 3rd Edition. Oh, cool. And that can also be found on the Quattro Nose uh, website, as well as Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Well, of course it can. We can't keep the, these great books away from people. So uh, that's another book we could talk about. Do you think you might be able to, to join us again for another uh, another interview, maybe a couple of weeks, and uh, we can uh, talk about that book to, as well? Sure. We'd love to. Excellent. Well, James, let the uh, let the kids in the, out there know about social media. Are you guys on social media where they can uh, go and look and, and see and poke stuff and make uh, inappropriate comments? We are. <laughs> and that's on the on the Quattro uh, social media site. Uh-huh. So we'd love to see the comments and, and feedback. Excellent. All right, James, well, thank you a lot for being here with us. Again, the, the book is the Jeep 4x4 Performance Handbook, third edition. Jim Allen and James Weather, Weber, not Weather, <laughs> James Weber, uh, the, uh, the, the folks that uh, put this book together. And it's, it's really a beautiful book, looking through, seeing all the pictures in there. If you got a Jeep, I bet you it's going to be in there. I bet you'll see a picture uh, of one uh, model just like it. So check out the book and uh, you know, let us know how you like the book uh, through our, our voicemail line. Uh, also, too, don't forget a uh, 30% discount by going over to quattronose.com. And, uh, of course, uh, being the seventh caller into our voicemail system, you can go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how uh, you can contact us, what the number is, basically. And uh, don't forget the phrase that pays. If you can read this, roll me back over. James, thank you a lot for being with us tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you here real soon about the other book. Thank you. Look forward to it. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. And now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you've got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with a thing big old tires and a liar. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys are getting to give me a beer. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Tony, Josh, and Wendy, well, we made it back from Hole in the Rock unscathed. What an intense trail. Very long, and you need to be on your A-game for most all of the trail. Unfortunately, we didn't make it all the way to the end. We still had 1.7 miles left and decided to turn around. That 1.7 miles probably would have taken at least two hours there and then two hours back. We were on a time crunch, plus we didn't want to chance it with gas. I'm pretty sure we would have made it with gas since we trailered our Jeeps into the trail, but we didn't want to chance it as this area is one of the most remote places in the U.S., I have no idea why the Mormons picked the route they did, but I am impressed with their fortitude and determination. At least we had a track to follow. 
Pushing those hand carts through the terrain must have been extremely difficult, plus during the winter and during a blizzard. The trail is pretty easy to navigate the first half of the trail. Now, the original trail has changed a little bit because there's a washout and there's no way to get over that washout, so they've diverted it a little bit. So that part is pretty easy to navigate. I highly suggest you get a GPS map of the trail as there were several times we got off track, which is very easy to do. Now before I left, I'd heard that there are those black tracks, you know, the tire tracks to follow like you see in Moab. However, this trail isn't used a lot like Moab, so those tracks are non-existent in a lot of areas. There are cairns to follow sometimes. Now cairns are the rock stack formations used as trail markers. There are also some trail markers at the beginning of the trail. There are tire tracks and patches of the sand, but you have to be very careful. Some of those tracks are dirt bikes, and some of those tracks lead you to nowhere or to rock buggy parts of the trail. As you go deeper into the trail, it becomes more and more difficult to keep track of the trail as you're on rocks. I drove the whole way in and I let Neil drive the whole way back out. Well, I did get out at one point to traverse an obstacle. I was not going to do it. It is at the beginning of what they call Poopy Pants Hill. It is an off-camber, very narrow section that is a rock face on your driver's side and the passenger side is a drop-off. Now they've shored it up on the passenger side with some rebar type material but that looked sketchy at best. Neil and I had a little discussion. I said I'm not doing this. He said yes you are. I said no I'm not. Yes you are. No I'm not. I won. So Neil traversed this part of the trail for me. If you were a millimeter off you would have rolled your Jeep. Now, Neil never, ever gets nervous or scared or freaked out on any trail. Never. Bleepin' Jeep even calls him Sketchy Neil. However, this section of the trail freaked him out. It was getting close to sunset and getting dark, and we still had more of Poopy Pants Hill to climb. There was a really cool campsite. It opened up into a big cavern. We spent the night in this cavern with a coyote as we heard him drinking water from some pools of water. The next day, I continued up Poopy Pants Hill and traversed the rocks to the chute. It's kind of like Hell's Gate on Hell's Revenge. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it, as I have a hard time going down. But Neil wouldn't take no for an answer. It really wasn't that bad once you get going. On the trail, there are several vertical rock faces you need to climb and then go back down on the way out. The Jeep Badge of Honor rates this trail as a 4 to 6. I would definitely score some of the obstacles as higher than a 6. This trail is up there with the Rubicon Trail. It's a long day that can be very exhausting. Since we did it late in the fall, our hours of daylight were shortened. We did take our time on the way in, which we could have gained some time if we didn't dilly-dally at the beginning. A Jeep Mama tip for you. Make sure all the roads are open heading into the trail before you head out for the trail. There was a washout on Utah 95 heading to the trail, so we were detoured. We ended up on some sketchy, unknown gravel road with steep climbs and turns with our Jeeps on trailers. That was some serious stuff. Then on the way out, the detour directed us to Mexican Hat, Utah. Little did we know, we were on Utah's scariest road. Holy moly, is all I have to say. It's called the Mookie Dugway. A dugway is a term used to describe a roadway carved from a hillside. This wasn't no hillside, that's for sure. The Mookie Dugway Scenic Backway is a stretch of Highway 261 in Utah where the blacktop turns into dirt road. Now Utah has several white knuckle roads, but Mookie Dugway probably qualifies as the scariest. 
and I concur. The three-mile-long switchback road is carved right into the side of a mountain. The gravel road is steep at 11% with hair turn pins down the side of the cliff. And there are no guardrails. None. However, if you dare to drive this road, you will see some absolutely gorgeous views. Phenomenal. Now this unique stretch of road, which literally has been carved from the face of a cliff, connects Utah Highway 95 to Highway 163. There are some spots to pull out and you can get a fantastic view of Valley of the Gods. The Mookie Dugway also offers great views of the San Juan River Canyon, where the stripes of different colored rocks create what is known as the Navajo Tapestry. The Mookie Dugway was constructed in 1958 as a route for transporting mined materials from Fry Canyon to a processing mill in Mexican Hat, Utah. This stretch of Utah Highway 61 is part of the Trail of the Ancients, a national scenic byway where travelers can see multiple archaeological sites and unique geological formations that played a role in the history of, of the Southwest Native American people who inhabited this area. Now, there's no facilities along the Mookie Dugway stretch of Highway 261, and it's open year-round. It's safe and passable for all types of vehicles, but you should drive with extra caution and super slow. Actually, if you're over a certain weight, you cannot be on this road. I think it's 10,000 pounds. Be extra, extra careful, especially if you're going to pull a trailer with something on the back, like a school bus or driving an RV or other large vehicles. The road is wide enough to easily accommodate passing vehicles, but there are no guardrails. Now the view from Mookie Dugway is truly monumental. The most amazing thing I've ever seen. Then after you get off the Dugway a ways down the highway is the goosenecks of the San Juan State Park. What an amazing view right up there with the Grand Canyon. Utah sure has some amazing views and I can't wait to go back again. We're planning on going back out to Hole in the Rock to finish the trail. It was truly an adventure of a lifetime. Well, I'm glad that Tammy's back with, uh, and, and you know, with uh, with no uh, no falling off a cliffside. Uh, yes, you know, she no, did no, well. Lone no panic attacks, and you know, they actually actually made it through unscathed. So, uh, so that's pretty good. A little bit of white knuckling, but uh, but you know, that's to be expected. So, uh, congratulations for uh, tackling a, a world class trail, and uh, I think this also one was a another uh, badge of honor trail. As well, so oh, uh, hats it, off. Is it a badge of honor? I, didn't I, know if I it thought was. so. I couldn't remember. I thought she had had mentioned that in the in the last Jeep Life segment uh, that yeah, it was a badge of honor trail, but I I could be remembering that wrong. So if I am, I apologize. Well, how does Tammy's Jeep Life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com/contact to find out how. And don't forget, Jeeper, we're always asking to sign up for our newsletter because it's the best way to get all the inside information of what's going on on the Jeep Talk Show. Want to find out about a giveaway that's coming up pretty soon? Well, get the inside information and get in first. Maybe you want to know about uh, uh, what's happening with the Jeep Talk Show behind the scenes. Well, that's what you need to do. I uh, want to join in on the campfire side chat the next time we have one going on. Well, the newsletter is the best way to find out how to get in on the fun. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. It's your one-stop shop for everything you need as far as the Jeep Talk Show goes. Find out all the information. Reach out to us. Join in on the fun. And, of course, you're going to find a link to click and sign up for that newsletter. Don't worry. It's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. So hit that button now. 
That's it for the show for this week, fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to engage with us through social media. It's not as painful as Tony makes it sound. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Don't know? Now you know, Jeeper. Podcasting since 2010.